not down classes, free form, open floor, no judgment. That's what we want. No, I'm with you on that one. No, 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 no. no. There's enough of those around. There's there's classes and there's all sorts of groups and everything. No, free form. It's like like a disco. That's what I want. I want a disco. Uh, but without the bar and, and a free for all and no judgment and uh, so everybody's dancing like nobody's watching do you know what I'm saying that sort of thing that's that's what I want that's my idea in my head uh, we'll see what happens there now Humans of Dublin is 10 years old uh, in 2014 photographer Peter Varga began documenting the lives of ordinary people uh, in the city through his storytelling project Humans of Dublin um, everyone he reckons has a story to tell well not just Peter, but most people believe that. And Peter joins me now to celebrate the 10 years of Humans of Dublin. Good afternoon, Peter. Hello, Ray. How are you doing? Good. Uh, now, remind us, because it was inspired by Humans of New York. That's right. So for people who don't know about it, tell us the whole the whole history of it. OK, so the whole concept came about because I was starting a photography course and I was afraid to go there empty-handed. And I was looking for small projects before the course starts, so I, I don't need to go there empty-handed. And around the same time, my... At the time, my girlfriend, who is now my wife, introduced me to Humans of New York. And it was exactly the two things that I was doing anyway. I was working in a coffee shop and I had this challenge for myself of, because I was bored, I was ch- uh, ch- had this challenge for myself of sk- skipping small talks, skipping uh, small talks and ask meaningful questions from the right. customers. And also photography together when she introduced me to Humans of New York. This was the two things together that I started before so, the course. So tell people who wouldn't know about Humans of New York. Yeah, so the Humans of that, New yes. York is a collection of portraits and short stories from the streets of New York. This photographer was going around the streets of New York and asked random people to take their portraits. The, originally, the project was supposed to just feature portraits of New York, but then he got to start chatting to them and really interesting stories and personal, really deep stories uh-huh. Some doubt from that. So the story of their lives uh, was attached to their picture. And exactly. It, be- it became a thing. Yes. Uh, and you, well, Maria saw that and she said, yeah. you should be doing that. I- yeah. I'm intrigued by the fact that you were working in a coffee shop yeah. and you decided in your head to skip the boring small talk and get straight to the big questions. What sort of big questions were you asking? It, it was really depending on what customer were coming in and what kind of... So the idea is of skipping small talks. You can pick it up from where, wherever you want from there. Like whenever you come in... Like I had a photographer friend uh, who became my mentor. He was a regular customer in there and we just started to chat about photography or there was people coming in and they were talking about their work. I would I would get to know them just by skipping the small talk and yes. instead of asking what coffee they want, I get to know them and because of that they became regular customers. Now, at that time, I was already like... I loved working in a coffee shop. I was a, a, I did a latte art championships and I was, I'm still really into coffee, but I always knew that this is not... For you as a, as a yeah. career, yes. Yeah, so I, I was already looking for ways of getting out from there and the photography course was just my way of kind of getting out from there. Yeah. How many people have you interviewed for Humans of Dublin in the last 10 years? Um, over 2,500 people. So it's, it's quite a lot. Yeah. yeah, it's like I, I used to go out every single day with a goal of approaching 10 people on the streets. And I did that for well, nearly 10 years now, but the pandemic slowed down everything a little bit. And I started to work with different companies and organizations to raise awareness through real life stories. And uh, that because of that, I had lots of targeted interviews. So uh-huh. organizations would 
uh, highlight people for me to interview in specific topics and I would I would have the free ticket or actually get paid to interview okay. interesting people. But apart from that, I suppose in its in its in its raw form, Humans of Dublin was you approaching people in the street. Yeah, I used to do that for years, yes. And asking about asking them about intimate details of their life. Yes. It's easier than you would think. Yeah. People people always ask me, Oh, how many people turn you down? And it just doesn't happen. And I'm not sure if because of the people of Dublin are more open or because like it has to do with the energy that you approach you. When you when you have a bad mood, you don't approach people on the streets. But it's it's really part of it that what I realized if you if people can sense that you are truly interested about their story, they will open up. And also that you, you shouldn't go there with a list of questions. So I had to develop over the years this technique of basing your next question on their answers so you can go really deep in a conversation. And that's really important, yes. I think, to, to get the story. Because you have to be listening. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. And that's the thing as well. Like I, I have this thing that whenever I'm in a, in a party or, or in, a, in a specific, even like when I go to a different country, I, I like to uh, take my time to get to know the taxi driver or get to know or I just don't cut my hair before I go to travel. I go to a barber and I start asking questions from the barber in that specific country uh -huh. about their lives and about what is it like to live in here, about specific ideas that they have for me to check out. Lots of the times people think that this is the most important is for you to be the center of attention. But what I realized if you just remove your ego and you remove yourself from the whole um like center of attention and you get you just ask questions you get mm. to learn so much and people usually remember you with the way you made them feel yes if you ask people about their lives you make them feel important and that's the feeling yeah. that they're going to walk away from was there a moment when humans of dublin became a thing in that more and more people knew about it. Did it yeah. go viral at any stage? Yeah. yeah. And the viral meant really different back then. Like we talk about 10 years. Yes. Now you open social media, you only see viral videos. You just scroll through viral videos. But 10 years ago, it was really difficult to go viral. And I still remember, like I was still, like I invested every effort into Humans of Dublin. I was still on social welfare and I was going out every single day. Uh, and I still remember I was getting comments like, oh, we really uh, appreciate your enthusiasm. This project is amazing, but you should consider having uh, uh, someone proofread your stories. Because obviously, like, I'm not from here, from Ireland. You You're know? from Hungary. Yeah. Yes. And yes. So English wasn't your first language. Yes. Yes. Okay. And sorry, what, what we were um, Yeah. So, so there was one particular story that... that yeah. So after about nine months of working on the street, one of my first stories went viral. And uh, like it was a huge media attention from all over the world, not only from Ireland. I had millions of views and thousands of likes. And um, I think you may have interviewed Jimmy Harrington. Yes, we did. Yes, he, uh, that he was one of the. Yeah, he he intervened when somebody was considering taking their own life on Hapney Bridge. Isn't that the story? This is beautiful because it comes in a, into a few full circle. Because I'm doing the same. Like sometimes that's all you need to do. You just ask a question: Are you okay? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that's what he did. He he just started the conversation. He he saw that that person is really in dis distress. People were yeah. running by him. Everyone was running by him, and he just noticed it. Did you ever interview yourself? <laughs> have you done Have you done the Humans of Dublin on on Peter on you? I suppose I should. I yeah. featured myself by proposing to my wife. On, Go on in tell the us, book. Yeah, 
when I, I got the opportunity. So yeah, yeah, everyone needs to know that the reason that I'm here today is because of my wife, because of my Maria. She already, when we met, she already had an MBA in psychology. And I, I suppose I was her uh, mouse to test <laughs> <laughs> what she, she's able to do with her studies. But um, I really wanted to say thank you to her for all the the support that she was she was pushing me forward and uh, i had this deal with the with the publishing company of putting the last page where i'm gonna hold up a, um, a board that is saying will you marry me on a specific spot in dalki and when the first copy of the book came out i took her to that specific spot and i asked her to open the, f the last page of the first book and I just went down to one knee. Oh, <laughs> uh, you old romantic, yeah. It's hard to beat that one, isn't it? I lost a couple of friends over it. <laughs> and that was published. That was published. So it was in. It, it in was the in like fifty thousand books. Wow. Like uh, the last page is is me proposing to my wife. So yes. that's my story is Th really that, there. Yeah, 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 yeah. It wasn't a mock up. It wasn't something you did on Canva. This was published fifty thousand. Yeah. yeah, and then I had and to have she, this. She secret. said yes, obviously. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thankfully, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, since then, we have a daughter as well now, uh, and we live together like. Um, we are married as well. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I'm I'm very lucky with her. Yeah. So so your story is you're in Ireland for 16 years. You came from Hungary. Yeah. Uh, and was it always your intention to stay here? No, not at all. Um, my mother only let me go because I told her that this is going to be three months. I'm going to learn a little bit English and after I come back. So that was 16 years ago. And now she lives here with us. So um, she's helping with our uh, daughter while we work full time. She's looking after our three uh -huh. and a half year old. Uh -huh. And it's really interesting because my wife is from Brazil and my mother from Hungary that she doesn't speak English. So I have to translate everything that they, they need to communicate between each other. Is, is that it, a good thing or a bad thing? Obviously a good thing. You have, yes. I have a filter, like yes. this is a, which is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and also it's really interesting to see because my daughter is speaking three languages. So she's obviously for, from Portuguese, from mother, Hungarian, from myself and my mother. English, yeah, and then and English, English is yes. the, the, the yeah. language that we speak at home. And she's translating between my mother and, and my wife. When so you're she, not there. When I'm not there, yeah. Oh. Pretty interesting to see. Yeah. Now you, you've dyslexia as well, um, yeah. and and maybe that was part of the when you were writing initially. Yeah. That that, that people suggested you needed to get them proofread. Like in school, I started to uh, I'm left-handed, and I tried to copy the teacher, and I started to write backwards. Okay. And that was the first sign of that something maybe not right. And until today, I can I can write with the same speed from left to right than to right to left. Or I don't know how you would use that skill, Peter, but it's a, it's, it's a party piece at least. That definitely, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Look what I can do. Look what I can do. Uh, and then, but, but at the same time, like at the time, I was labelled as a bad student. They, it, dyslexia yes. wasn't available at the time. And for that reason, I was so nervous about starting any course or going back to school. I, I just didn't believe in myself because I was labelled as a bad student. Yeah, see, this is the problem with our educational systems. It, it doesn't cater for people who are just not the norm, you know, or whatever the norm better. is. I su I suppose they're, they're getting better, better yes. Yeah. And, and people get diagnoses of dyslexia and, and there are systems and processes involved to help them, which, which, which is great. But I've heard so many stories like you where people who have got a late on diagnosis of dyslexia were deemed to be bad students, which is, mm. which is terrible sad. And also, you, like, I got to meet lots of people who had similar experiences that they neurodivergent. Yes. And they would go into arts and create absolutely amazing projects. And I feel really lucky because I was able to find it. But it definitely wasn't a project that it was meant to be me. I just became this person because I, was, I just kept going at it. Yeah. Uh, you, you had a drive. 
What, what, what's, you know, 2,500 people cold calling, if you like, on the streets of Dublin. You, you must have developed a sixth sense about people. Have you? You know, about who are interesting people and, you know, types of people. And can Do you, you think that's possible? No, well, I'm wondering, is it possible? You see, like I, I've, I've the benefit. I've the benefit of a, of you know. Yeah. The, the thing is that in the six beginning, or seven A4 pages in yeah. front of me each time. <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, but so uh, it's rare that I would actually. Well, I do it in normal life. Obviously, I, I have chats with people that I yeah. don't know. Um, but you, but you've done it sort of in a formatted way. Some sometimes you can you can expect what type of story you get. But the, for me, the the most amazing thing about humans of Dublin is that you never know what you're gonna get. And that's why it's so important to base your next question on their answers, because mm. if you do that, you can you can find out something really special about people. And I, uh, if if you read or if the the listeners reading Humans of Dublin, they know that everyone has a story and everything is just so different. And people ask me which is my favorite story. It's like really hard to pinpoint because 2,500 people give me 2,500 different stories, yes, you know, yeah, and yeah. they are all you learn from all of those. And they say people are more likely to open up to a stranger sometimes than somebody they know. I, I do think so. And people are so people appreciate so much when they are listened to. Like, it's incredible. Yesterday I was um, I was interviewing someone that you, you would definitely not you would definitely not approach on the street because you would be afraid and. And I just I was talking to them, and they were they, they they were just out from prison like last year, and they were talking about how the structure in prison was actually a great thing for them, uh-huh, yes, because that was the longest time that they spent being clean. Mm. And he was talking about that like he never had this experience of yeah. someone is listening to him and being interested about his life for so long, and then. Following that, he was giving me an advice that I should hide my camera because this is a dodgy area. You know? <laughs> right, <yeah. laughs> I, uh, ten years, the, the world has changed so much. It did. Like, like our, our, we're carrying around these really advanced computers in our pockets now that yeah. can do so much, yeah. record video and sound. And, and like, they weren't, uh, you know, they've come on in leaps and bounds in the last ten years. So, in a way, humans of Dublin, when you describe it, it sounds quaint. It sounds nearly from a different time, doesn't it? It's in uh, a world of TikTok and yeah. Instagram, and it doesn't feel it that way for me. Right. But it's definitely becoming a, a time capsule. Like if you look back to 2016 to 2014, how people were dressed, how people, what were their topics they chose yeah. to talk about, what were their problems? It's very, very different. Go on, give us an idea. Um, like I can't even like obviously like during the pandemic people started to talk about all the pandemic related mm. issues and what I realized as well that um the difference is that that makes my um job a little bit harder is that the volume of people there is not that many people out on the streets anymore since the pandemic and it's probably have to do with the fact that uh, they are working remote and but even like the 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 ideal times to make interviews is when people go to work, when they have lunchtime or when they're going home from work. But it used to be that even if I go out between those times, I would meet people and I was able to talk to them. There's like less people on the streets, which is so weird, you know, mm, mm. to see. Less opportunities for less you. Less opportunities, yeah. Because yeah. you would think that like you can talk to anyone, but it's actually when you are walking around the streets and you truly look at people that are approachable is not that many, you know? Yeah. Uh, so you've uh, an exhibition on? 
I have a couple of exhibitions. Oh, yeah. dear, right. Go on, tell us about them. So there is one exhibition is coming up uh, in the middle of the summer in uh, in Danlery Lexicon, which is going to be a similar large large scale exhibition like I had in 2018. It's a 60 portrait A1 exhibition is going to be there for a couple of months. I'm really excited about that. That's going to be have going to have a specific uh, Danlery theme as well included in that. And another one is a, a culture date with Dublin 8. They are going to they they send me around in Dublin A to create interviews because it's a rapidly changing in, environment and area in Dublin that they want to preserve and then just uh-huh. showcase people from yeah. the area. Right, great. Uh, so you're a social historian. That's really what you are, Become. photographer and social historian. Uh, nerd fact: Leonardo da Vinci, greatest genius ever, wrote his notebooks in mirror writing. Hmm. Bob, so that's what you can do. That so you're up there with Leonardo. My ne- the next book idea, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Peter Varga, uh, happy birthday to humans of Dublin, and thanks for coming in. Thanks, Peter. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank, Thank you. you. The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio One.